you are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I say D, I say D-O, D-O-D, D-O-D-G, D-O-D-G-E-R-S, team, 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 team. Hello, Dodger fans. Welcome to Locked On Dodgers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. Locked On, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. Locked On Dodgers is the daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Dodgers, bringing you the smart fan's perspective on our boys in blue. I am Jeff Snyder of Baseball Essential, along with Vince Semperio of Chavez Ravine Fiends. Vincent, how are you? Jeff, I'm doing great. Actually, just had a built bar not too long ago after I didn't work out in the morning today, so we worked out in the evening. So um, it's definitely working, uh, the marketing powers of built bar. I could tell by looking at you, you got that built bar glow about you. <laughs> uh, today, we're going to talk a little bit um, based on, kind of based on not an exact answering, but another uh topic idea that that our pal Doug Reynolds sent us uh we're going to tweak it a little bit talk a little bit about what it's like to cover a game at Dodger Stadium as media Vince and I have both done that Vince more than me uh but yeah we'll share kind of the timeline of how the game goes and uh and some of our you know a few stories we have from that and then we're going to talk about some big what ifs in Dodger drafting history specifically what if the Dodgers had had a crystal ball when they were drafting how things might have looked different but first, we want to remind you, please subscribe to Locked on Dodgers wherever you get your podcasts. And when you get in your car or sit on your couch, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Dodgers. All right, Vince. Uh, so Doug wanted to know, he, he was more interested in the players routine. And you and I, we, we know a lot of that just based on having been there and seeing. But that kind of got us thinking that maybe it's a little more interesting talking about the routine of a media member, uh, because there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. You mentioned that sometimes you would tell somebody that you were at the stadium for 10 hours and, and, and they don't quite understand why you need to be at a stadium for 10 hours to cover a three-hour game. So, uh, so yeah, why don't you take the lead on this? Just kind of walk us through the timeline of covering a game and, and, you know, we'll bounce a few stories back and forth. Yeah, yeah. On the, I mean, player side and media side is similar in, in times. The players might get there around 1, 1.30 for a 7 o'clock game, go through their whatever they need to do. Uh, but for media, you know, the, the, the gate's open to 2.30. You can get into the stadium in the press box. Um, I'll run down the, the basic schedule. So 3 o'clock, the locker room opens. Around 3, 3.30, locker room opens. You can go in there. Not every player is there. Sometimes you can grab them for an interview. Sometimes not, depending who the player is. Um, 4 o'clock, usually manager speaks. Um, when I went, it was usually Don Maddenly, but now it's Dave Roberts, obviously. Uh, Dodgers have batting practice. The opposing team has batting practice. You got about an hour, hour 15 after that of kind of time to kill. And then the game starts. And then after the game, you go down to the interview room for the manager interview, the starting pitcher interview, uh, and then locker room opens up again, and you can talk to whoever players you need to or are willing to talk. 
Um, but starting off with the first part, first time the locker room opens, that's more for, you know, the reporters who are maybe trying to get a story or a feature story. Uh, every time I'm media, I'm part of a website, so there's not really any deadlines or any, usually I don't have any specific reasons to go in there. Uh, most of the time guys are just hanging out and, uh, but one story I will share with you guys is back in 2015, uh, was Juan Ribe, Juan Acasio, I believe, Yasiel Puig, and somebody else. Maybe I don't remember who. They're all playing dominoes. Yasiel Puig lost, lost, however, the rest of his money that he had. Uh, so Juan Ribe made a big stink about kicking him out since he didn't have any money. Puig left the locker room, came back about five minutes later with a stack of money, and bought himself back into the game. Uh, I don't know how that ended up, if we ended up losing or not. But, uh, yeah, that was a, a funny little tidbit from there. Jeff, you got any stories from uh, the pregame locker room opening? I think this was pregame. I, I assume it was. Uh, I think you and I were standing next to each other, uh, and maybe we've mentioned this before, when uh, Andre Ethier was giving J.P. Howell a hard time about being a redneck, uh, talking about J.P. Howell uh, living in a mobile home and just kind of, kind of harassing him a little bit. Uh, and J.P. Howell definitely played it up, definitely was proud of his redneck roots. Yeah, was that when they were uh, kind of filming his locker, seeing what he had in there? I think that might have been I think so, yeah. yeah. Uh, so moving on from that, you know, the, the, everybody gets together and talks to the manager, which usually is not very, um, you know, the manager give an update. Uh, but batting practice, have you been there as a fan and as a player uh, kind of break down batting practice. Who you think has, puts on the best show, or kind of where to be if you're if you're a fan on that side of it? I assume you mean as a fan and media. I haven't been there as a player yet. Yes, you know? that's what I meant. But I, I'm still I'm still waiting for my chance. <laughs> um, yeah, BP is fun. It, it, it's fun both ways. Um, it's definitely a different angle when you're media and you're down there on the field, and you know you're only half paying attention to actual batting practice when you're when you're down there on the field sometimes because. There's a lot of other things going on. You're you're watching, you know, the the people who have the field passes. So they're standing behind the ropes behind home plate, and and different players will come around, both visiting players and home players, talking to those people, kind of seeing, you know, uh, and sometimes it's celebrity-ish people, right there, which is always kind of cool. Uh, you never know who you're going to see if if uh, it's a national TV game or even. Uh, just being covered a little bit. Sometimes, you know, you'll you'll see one of the big name, uh, you know, A-Rod on the field or, you know, somebody who is there to do a national game or a national show. Uh, the, the why can't I remember that? Kevin Millar, what's that show called? Intentional Talk. Intentional Talk. You know, I've seen them there a time or two. So that's always fun. And And there's always Dodger legends around down on the field, which is, one of my favorite things, you know, just Steve Garvey walking around, Ron Say walking around, you know, Fernando is obviously there to cover the game, uh, but he, he'll be walking around sometimes. So it, it's really fun. But the actual BP part, just watching the competitions, uh, especially the pitchers, they're some of those fun to watch in BP because they just want to get their one home run and, and the bragging rights. Uh Ryu was always fun to watch because he really would hit a ton of homers in batting practice. And it was crazy that he never hit one until his very last at bat as a Dodger. Uh, Kershaw puts good wood on the bat. Kershaw, it's a lot of hard line drives. He doesn't necessarily elevate enough to hit a ton of homers, but uh, you, you can definitely see in his BP how he did manage to hit one once. Yeah. Yeah. I remember back when I was going a lot, uh, 
when Don Newcomb was still around, and he he's he was there every game, watching batting practice. A few a few rows up in the in the seats down there, and every once in a while, if I'd be trying to take pictures or video or something, uh, and then Don Newcomb's wife would come up to me and ask if I could move, uh, because Don was watching batting practice. So that was always kind of cool to to know that I uh, not a not the best way to be acknowledged, but I was acknowledged by a Dodger legend. Yeah, you've been acknowledged that you're not a window; you're more of a door. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, after that, you know, the other teams batting practice, sometimes you get the players kind of meeting up from the other team. Um, and then after that, you kind of have a break till the game starts. You can go back to the press box. Sometimes I would walk around and find people that I knew were at the game and just say what's up or, or whatever. Um, and in the press box, for those who don't know, or maybe you want to know, uh, there are Dodger dogs there. They usually come around the third, fourth inning, uh, all the Dodgers you can get. There's popcorn and cookies and, uh, you know, soda fountain and water. So we, we do get provided for a little bit. Uh, there are actual meals you can purchase before the game as well. But, uh, yeah, I would never really do that. I'm cool with a couple Dodger dogs. Yeah, yeah, I used to enjoy uh, just sitting in the dining room there in the press press room. And uh, every once in a while you'd catch a glimpse of Vin Scully. Uh, one of my favorite memories, I was sitting there, I was just having something to eat uh, at a table in, in the press box dining room. And uh, I see Vin Scully walking towards me. I was sitting right by the door and he's like hustling towards me, shuffling along as quickly as he could. And it turned out he had seen somebody approaching. It's, it's glass walls. He had seen somebody approaching and he was hustling over to open the door for her. Uh, just to be a, a gentleman. So, uh, you know, anytime you catch a glimpse of Vince Scully and uh, one time he said hi to me as if he was my friend and uh, that was all I needed in life. Yeah, one time I opened the door for him to the bathroom and he said, thank you, young man, and uh, I, nothing else I could ever want in life other than that. He said, you're welcome, old man. <laughs> all right, let's take a break and talk about Built Bar. Uh, Built Bars, as we mentioned, they're protein bars, but you wouldn't know it by tasting them because they taste really good. Most protein bars taste like garbage or cardboard. Cardboard is often garbage, so same thing. Uh, but Built Bar, that tastes like a candy bar. It's chocolate. Every one of them has chocolate. Uh, they've got close to 20 different flavors, uh, some with nuts, some without. The ones without nuts are made in a different facility, which is cool. Um, I, I love chocolate and peanut butter together. It's my favorite combination. Uh, if I had to choose one uh, sweet combination, that would be it for the rest of my life. Uh, they have a delicious peanut butter brownie uh, bar and, and a couple other ones that have some peanut butter involved. And they're just, they're great. And the best thing is, not only do they taste a lot better than most protein bars, they're also a lot healthier. They have just as much protein while having a lot fewer calories and a lot less sugar, like one-seventh the amount of sugar, which is just ridiculous because, like I said, when you taste it, you feel like you are having a candy bar, and it doesn't get much better than that. So if you haven't tried Built Bar yet, seriously, come on, people. We've been talking about this every day. It's, I'm starting to take it personally. So to avoid offending me, go to BuiltBar.com. And use promo code locked on and you'll get ten dollars off your first order. Built bar B U I L T B A R dot com with promo code locked on for ten dollars off. And keep it locked on Dodgers. All right, Vince, let's keep talking about game day as media. So we've gotten basically up to game time, right? Yeah, we're at game time now. You've already been at the stadium around four to five hours, and uh, the game hasn't even started yet. But you're not complaining. You're a media member at a Dodger game. So uh, 
you know, you sit in the press box, which is not air conditioned. The the dining room is air conditioned. So on those hot days or day games or or games, uh, you know, it gets a little gets a little stuffy in there. Uh, but the the one thing I'm not sure if everyone knows in the press box is you're not allowed to cheer. Now there are the Dodgers are one of the the teams that do allow um, websites uh, to to be uh, media members. And obviously, most of us are fans most of the time. So uh, it is a little tough, I guess, to not cheer sometimes. But, I mean, you know you know why you're there and you know kind of what it is. And luckily, I would always get to sit next to Ron from Think Blue or uh, or uh, Eric Steven from True Blue, who are, you know, we're all fans. So, you know, we give a little fist bump under the table or something when something good happens. So, uh, but yeah, you're not allowed to cheer, so that's one thing. Uh, What's during... the closest you ever came to accidentally cheering in the press box, Vince? Ooh, uh, I don't remember. I went to so many games in 2015 when I was there, like almost all the time. So it was it's hard to remember. Uh, but there's definitely a few times. Or it's early on when you're like, oh, and then you're like, oh wait, I'm not supposed to cheer, or you go outside and maybe get excited. Uh, yeah, I don't remember yeah. a specific reason my closest was uh actually a spring training game in mesa dodgers were playing the cubs in 2015 and uh i was sitting next to john Heyman. i remember it was before, before or after he, he blocked, blocked you okay it was before he had blocked me on twitter but after i had tweeted the thing that he eventually blocked me for so there there was like a two-year delay so um but anyway there was a, a fly ball hit to Yasiel Puig was playing center field in this game and fly ball hit to right center and Puig made a great catch crashing into the wall. And uh, I, I almost cheered half for the play and half for the fact that he didn't get hurt. Uh, and I had to kind of stop myself. I remember Granky pitched that game and after the, after he was done, you know, they announced that great Zach Granky is available in the visiting locker room. So we went down and, talked to him and he was so funny just talking to Zach Granke was always a highlight just because he is so matter of fact in his answers uh it, that day was when he became one of my favorites because people you ask a dumb question to Granke and you get an answer that a dumb question deserves yeah Granke was probably one of the better the more fun ones to to be part of interviewing so yeah obviously you go through the game uh the game ends and you go back down to the locker room area uh, usually they'll have the manager in the interview room so he'll come out and talk you to ask your questions uh this is kind of was my favorite part when i first started uh because you know you get to ask all those questions they think about during the game uh but then after a couple times of asking don mattingly a question and he doesn't really answer it back back then uh, you kind of get over it and so for those people that do wonder you know why doesn't the media ask certain questions sometimes we do and they just don't answer it or they'll they'll say some generic answer or push it back to something else so uh, yeah it, it's not always as simple as it may seem uh, sometimes they just don't answer uh, but yeah, I was saying and Roberts were both pretty good at uh, not answering questions that they didn't want to answer um, then you usually get the starting pitcher, which is good on days they pitch well and not so fun on days they don't pitch well. Uh, and then the locker room opens up and you can kind of go to anybody that had a good play in the game or whatever is a star of the game, the player of the game. It's kind of open. Um, I think the big story I have from this one, so like I said, when I was there, I'm usually part of a website. We don't have deadlines like the newspaper guys do. 
So sometimes players will try to freeze out the media and they, they won't end up coming out. They'll take a long shower or they'll, they'll stay in, in the side where you can't go. And uh, they, they, and Jock Peterson was, is one that used to like to do that. I don't know. I haven't been too often recently, uh, but he was one that used to like to do that. And I remember one time it was me and a couple other guys that were part of websites and he came out and he's like, oh, you guys are still here? And we're like, yeah, we are. And uh, I think he hit a home run or a couple home runs that day, whatever it was. And uh, he ended up giving us the interview. He doesn't say much either in terms of interviews. Uh, but back then it was, it was his first year. So we we didn't really know that back then. Now I probably wouldn't stick around for Jock Peterson because I already know what kind of answer he's going to give me. Uh, but, but, yeah, that's kind of basically the game. You go back after that, you transcribe or, or well, I would transcribe all the interviews, you know, tweet it out, get a couple articles up. And then usually around 11 or 12, I'm heading out of Dodger Stadium. Uh, the only good part about or the main good part about it is no traffic. Yeah. Yeah. You beat the traffic by staying until it's all gone. Um, do you remember the Matt Latos interview? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, which one? <laughs> I think it was his last his last start as a Dodger, and he was. I think it was that game against the Reds, uh, and he got pounded. Uh, and that's probably and, uh, the only guy I've ever been scared to interview. Yeah, he was angry, and he's huge, and and uh, I remember. I don't remember his exact words, but uh, somebody asked him, "How'd you feel out there?" or some some generic question like that. And he said, basically, that's a stupid question. I felt the way I looked. I felt like crap because I sucked. And, uh, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, and, and it's cool to be in the press box there. You know, it, you do your transcribing or your writing, whatever, just as an excuse. Hey, I'm staying at Dodger Stadium. I'm looking out, you know, there's worse places to do your work than looking out over a darkened Dodger Stadium as the grounds crew cleans things up and, uh, and you know you're in your favorite place and doing what you love to do. So, yeah, uh, it's it's definitely fun. Um, you know, it's definitely not easy if you're doing it, depending on what you're doing it for. Uh, and I definitely learned how tough that grind is. I mean, for players, I'd go three days in a row to the stadium for games, and I'm there, you know, two to ten, two to twelve, or three to twelve, whatever it was. And I feel exhausted. So I can't imagine, like, you can't imagine the shape you have to be and the mental toughness you have to have in order to go through an actual 162 game grind with flights and everything else. I didn't even have to do all that. Yeah. Yeah. There was a good book about five years ago called The Grind. I think it was called The Grind. Uh, followed the Nationals uh, for a season and just talked about, you know, the grind of doing a 162 game season. It was pretty good. It was written by uh, Barry Sverluga who writes for one of those Washington, D.C. newspapers. So anyway, so so yeah, that's kind of a, a behind-the-scenes look at what it's like to cover a Dodger game. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Now we're going to talk a little bit. Uh, as you know, our theme has been what-ifs. Uh, we'll be back back to doing obscure former Dodgers next week, I think. Uh, but we've been doing some what-ifs, and I got to thinking, what if the Dodgers had had a crystal ball when they were doing their drafts? So I just started at the 2007 draft, the year after they took Clayton Kershaw. You guys remember last week I talked about the Kershaw draft and how that almost didn't happen. Um, and, and so I thought I'd look at since then because I remembered noticing, wow, they've taken some clunkers. Recently their drafts have been really good, but there have been some real clunkers over the years. And, uh, you know, this isn't meant to be a criticism of the Dodgers drafting, but more a 
just a what if they, you know, if you could have the perfect draft. And obviously, you know, the Dodgers are one of the few teams who didn't pass on Mike Trout. The Dodgers didn't have a pick before the Angels took Mike Trout. And so, you know, there's like 22 or 23 teams that have no excuse, but the Dodgers do. Mike Trout was never available to the Dodgers. Garrett Cole was available available to the Dodgers coming out of high school when he didn't sign, but he wasn't coming out of college. You know, Alex Bregman was not available to the Dodgers. So uh, it's not just saying, okay, you could have had all the all the best players in baseball if you drafted better. Uh, but if the Dodgers could have looked at a crystal ball, looked at how careers would go uh, over the years, what might they have done differently? And so I'll just throw some of these out, Vince, and we could talk about it. And, you know, obviously they couldn't have done all of these because you only have so many positions on the field. So one good example of that is in 2009 uh, – Three three picks before the Rockies took Nolan Arenado, the Dodgers took Blake Smith in the second round. You know, the Dodgers definitely could have, they had the option of taking Nolan Arenado. Uh, Arenado was a Southern California boy, uh, so they could have taken him. Uh, but then also, a different guy who went to that same high school as Arenado, Matt Chapman in 2014, three picks before the A's took him, the Dodgers took Grant Holmes. And so... Uh, it's, uh, you know, the Dodgers could have had either one of those stud third basemen uh, instead of Blake Smith or Grant Holmes. You know, Grant Holmes was part of the trade that got them Rich Hill, but, you know, they probably get, could have got Rich Hill anyway. And, uh, you know, I don't know, Vince, who would you rather have, Nolan Arenado or Matt Chapman? Ooh, um, you know, Nolan Arenado is probably the answer that would be most popular, but... Matt Chapman's really come on as of late, and uh, I really like him. I know a lot of people don't get to see him. He's in Oakland, uh, especially you know us Dodger fans. But he's really good, and he's probably. I mean, I think he's a better fielder than Arenado. Uh, he's definitely you know maybe not as polished a hitter, but he's still pretty good, a, a pretty good hitter. So I think it, it's hard not to say Arenado, but for the sake of not taking the easy way out, I'll say Matt Chapman. Yeah, yeah, either one of those uh, would have been better than Blake Smith and Grant Holmes. Uh, in 2007, the Dodgers' first two picks were Chris Withrow with the 20th, 20th pick and James Adkins with the 39th pick. And within the next 40 picks after James Adkins, uh, Josh Donaldson was taken, Giancarlo Stanton was taken, and Freddie Freeman was taken. The Dodgers could have had any of those guys instead of Withrow or Adkins um, you know, and, and obviously, you know, Stanton would have loved to be drafted by the Dodgers. Uh, I know Fre- Freddie Freeman would have been nice at times. Uh, you know, the Dodgers did have Adrian Gonzalez, but, uh, but Freddie Freeman is pretty darn solid. And, and obviously Josh Donaldson took a while to get his career going, but when he did, he ended up pretty good. Uh, who would you take out of those guys? Oh, I love Stanton. So I would still take Stanton even... You know, as all, as the injuries have kind of piled up in recent years, uh, Freddie Freeman's nice. He's good. He's really good. But, uh, you know, he's not a game changer. I mean, he could be. A, uh, he's good, but he's not like, a, oh, my God. And, uh, yeah, Stanton's definitely the guy for me there. Man, but Quizworth throw, if he didn't get hurt, uh, what year was it? The Dodgers might have had a chance in the playoffs, that a better chance in the playoffs that year. Because he was yeah. nasty. 
But James Adkins was definitely expendable. <laughs> yeah, I think we could uh, do. We'd be all right without him, uh, Adkins, in the in, in the Dodgers' lives. Yeah, for that matter, in the fourth round that year, uh, Corey Kluber got drafted, so he could have been had too. Um, 2008, you had three picks after the Dodgers took Kyle Russell. The Braves took Craig Kimbrell. Uh, that one uh, definitely. It, that would be interesting if the Dodgers had drafted Kimbrell in 2008. Uh, you know, do they? Do, what what happens to Kenley Jansen's career trajectory? You know, the, it, obviously they still make him a reliever because he couldn't hit as a catcher. Um, and Kenley did come up not as a as a closer. You know, he had to work his way into that role. Uh, what's his name? Javi Guerra was the Dodgers closer when Kenley first came up. Uh, but that would have been interesting to have Kimbrell and Kenley in the same bullpen. Uh, 2011, uh, the Dodgers took Chris Reed with the 16th pick. And uh, obviously that one didn't work out. Blake Snell was taken with a 52nd pick. Uh, I think Sonny Gray was also that, that year after Chris Reed. So a few different starting pitchers that could have been better. For that matter, in the fourth round, the Dodgers took Ryan O'Sullivan. And the very next pick, the Indians took Mike Clevenger. Actually, the Angels took Mike Clevenger. Uh, the ver- the pick after the Dodgers took Ryan O'Sullivan. So uh, could have had Clevenger instead of O'Sullivan. That would have been nice. Yeah. Uh, in 2013, the Dodgers took Chris Anderson in the first round with the 18th pick. And as you recall, the Yankees, with the 32nd book pick, took a guy named Aaron Judge. So uh, Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton could be in the Dodgers outfield, along with Cody Bellinger and Mookie Betts and, you know, Everybody else, Dodgers might have to have a bigger outfield. And then the biggest one for me, uh, in the eighth round in 2010, 262nd overall pick, the Dodgers took Blake Dean, who no one has ever heard of, including Blake Dean's mother. Uh, And 10 picks later, the Mets took Jacob deGrom in the ninth round, 272nd overall pick. Um, You know, obviously throwing DeGrom into the Dodgers rotation along with Bueller and Kershaw and May and whoever else, you know, David Price now. I mean, the Dodgers have a lot of starting pitchers, but there's always room for Jacob DeGrom, right? Yeah, yeah, and that that pick is one that affect, you know, would have would have affected 2015, you know, the Dodgers wouldn't have probably lost to the Mets um in the in the playoffs, but maybe I don't know. When did DeGrom first? That was kind of his first big year. So they would have still had Granky. So, yeah, obviously all these things, there's little pieces that, you know, butterfly effect. But specifically DeGrom, 2015, you know, the Dodgers may have a chance of advancing further than they did and uh, maybe winning it all. Yeah. Yeah. So th- these are fun to look at, you know. And this isn't even just pie in the sky. These are actual picks they could have yeah. made, you know, that you have to assume – that the Dodgers were aware of Nolan Arenado in 2009 when they took Blake Smith three picks ahead of him. And whatever it was that they liked about Blake Smith, and and to be fair, Nolan Arenado coming out of high school, uh, his defense was a knock against him. He was known as a kind of chubby, slow kid who, uh, you know, might not play enough defense to stick at third base. And and then through hard work, he turned himself into the best third base, baseman in baseball. Um, but yeah, 
you know, th those what ifs are so much fun to look at. And, and it's also kind of nice that the Dodgers didn't have a crystal ball because, you know, there, sometimes there's guys who they might have taken who, you know, results wise might have been a good choice. But, you know, uh, I'm trying to remember specifically, there was somebody who was taken after Dustin May, who theoretically might have been a better choice. But I'm glad the Dodgers took Dustin May, you know. Um, and, and so, yeah. All in all, the Dodgers have drafted really well, especially recently. Um, but, uh, you know, it sure would be fun to have had some of these guys, even if they ended up trading them away for, for different guys because they didn't have enough spots in the outfield or whatever. Or, you know, they drafted Arenado and Chapman and uh, couldn't play both of them. But, uh, yeah, crystal balls would be nice in a lot of ways. Yeah, it would be nice. And, uh, you know, you could go through a lot of teams – and look at their stuff, and, you know, they could say Cody Bellinger was, what, in the fourth round? Fourth round. Fourth round. Uh, Verdugo was was in the, what, middle round two, third, fourth, somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, even guys like Matt Beatty who are taken way, way later. So the Dodgers have, have done well, but it just goes to show you how crazy and pre unpredictable the, the MLB draft is. You can get guys in the first round that never make the big leagues, and you can get guys in the – late 30th round, 30-some round that that do make the big leagues and have a little bit of an impact. So uh, obviously you can do this with, with any team and any franchise and, and kind of go through and, and do it. But uh, we chose to do it for the Dodgers, obviously, for obvious reasons, and it, it's pretty fun to go back and look. Yeah, nobody else deserves that crystal ball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, I think that'll wrap it up. You got anything else today, Vince? No, no. We uh, will be back tomorrow to finish out the week. Yep, one last show tomorrow this week. So thank you for listening. Please subscribe to Locked on Dodgers wherever you get your podcasts. If you have Apple Podcasts, even if you don't use it, please subscribe there to help other people find us. Uh, please rate and review us if you have good things to say about us. Uh, if you have less good things to say about us, email them to us, LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com. And you can email us good things too if you want. We like those too. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked on Dodgers. Vince is on Twitter at Vince Imperio. I'm on Twitter at Snydog. DMs are open on all of those. Uh, you can call and leave us a voicemail or shoot us a text anytime. The number is 323-863-LOCK-5625. We are here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be here with us. When you get in your car or sit on your couch, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. We'll talk to you later. Have a good one. Say D. I say D-O. D-O-D-G-E-R-S The team that's all heart, all heart and all thumbs They're my Los Angeles, your Los Angeles Our Los Angeles Do you think we'll really win the pennant? Bye!